Alrighty, welcome to Outrageously Unnecessary. We are a podcast that's all about the dumb things that rich people have bought through the ages, because as long as there have been wealthy people, they have been spending their money on just very dumb and obnoxious things. Uh, my name is Haley, I'm your host, and I'm joined today with my other host, Katie! Katie's back! Katie's back. Katie survived tornado season. Ah, uh, Katie is still in the throes of tornado season, actually, but we survived a very real um, tornado warning that happened the other day. Your state is trying to kill you. It is. It is. But it is actively telling you it is the weather gods saying, hey, this state is uninhabitable. You there know, are tornadoes. That is not the first time I've heard that. I've heard that from more than one person. And yet I, I was going to say, is it from me? Have you heard it from me? <laughs> I've heard it from you and from others. <laughs> and yet I st- here I am. Here I and am. And yet here you are. I would recommend that you move out of that state, but don't come to my state because California is obnoxiously expensive. <laughs> see, I will I we'll see where we end up. We'll see. Anyways, in the in the wake of uh, these tornadoes that have been happening, um, I have a really great topic today, so that's good. <laughs> the tornado season actually gave you time to research a topic. Yeah, exactly. And I researched it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think that you're going to enjoy it, too. Oh, lay it on me. I'm so excited. All right. I can't remember. What did I, what, oh, I talked about lottery winners last time. That's right. Mm-hmm. But yes, you did. Today, we are just going to be focusing on, um, on one person, and she goes by the name of Imelda Marcos. Imelda Marcos. That name sounds familiar to me, but I have no idea who she actually is. Perfect. Well, Haley, I'm, I, I am here today to tell you all about who she is and the things that she has done. Well, so- There's anticipation in your voice that is suggesting that they are all- insane um yeah yeah pretty much she's she's done some stuff so imelda marcos um was born in the philippines and uh she was the first lady of the philippines for 21 years that's a very long time yeah and you know when i started researching it i tried to like look into how long somebody can be like the president of the philippines for and i don't think i ever found an answer oh I mean, that sounds less of a presidency and more of a dictatorship. It, it definitely feels like that. So, um, Imelda Marcos, she, uh, like I said, she was born in the Philippines, born on July 2nd, 1929. So she is 89 years old. Her birthday is... Is she still kicking? She, her birthday is next month and she is still alive. Oh, hell yeah, Imelda. You go, girl. Okay. <laughs> so, uh... She was married to uh, a gentleman by the name of Ferdinand Marcos. Um, Ferdinand. And, like uh, the bull. Uh, sure. And uh, he obviously was president of the Philippines for 21 years, uh, during which time the two of them amassed about 5 to 10 billion U.S. dollars of ill-gotten wealth, most of which remains uncovered today. Unrecovered. Oh. Oh my. Oh my. Billion with a B? Billion with a B, Haley. Oh, it sounds like there was some embezzlement happening. Was there embezzlement happening? Well, Haley, let me tell you. Uh, let me uh, give you a little bit of background as to um, the life 
the life that Imelda and Ferdinand um, lived. So Imelda Marcos was born uh, into a family who had a pretty simple lifestyle. And um, when she met her husband on April 6th, 1954, they got married 11 days later on April 17th. That is a whirlwind. Yeah. So there were about two weeks of um, him courting her. And then they uh, then they secretly got married to, by a Not even two weeks. By Not a reverend even two who weeks. Um, really didn't want to marry them, but he did. So um, oh, I'm sorry. How do you how do you say no? I won't marry you, and then be like, no, okay, yes, I will. You uh, strong armed me. <laughs> you really pushed me into it. I just do not know, Haley. I don't know how that. You've given me no choice. Um. So they were married for about nine years before um, December 30th, 1965. Um, her husband had his presidential inauguration, and she officially became the first lady of the Philippines. Okay, okay. And so, initially, Imelda had difficulties adjusting to her husband's extravagant lifestyle. Um, She uh, actually once complained to him that she was only earning 120 pesos a month, despite her hard labor. I'm not sure how, how 120 pesos per month translates, but obviously it's not. Very much. I mean, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sound very much at all. But like, okay, no. So she was working while her husband was president. I'm confused. Um, or was this before his presidency? And like, well, I mean, to to in response to this, he essentially laughed and said that it was her fault. She was working hard for such a small amount of money. So I think that you know, I mean, because she was she was doing uh politics related stuff as well at the time so i'm mm. i'm not sure of the exact logistics but this was really a turning point for her to no longer feel guilty about spending money okay. so uh from then on she pushed herself to extreme luxury oh so she she legit did a, a 180 and was like okay <laughs> Uh, so while he was while he was in office, uh, they lived extremely lavish lives. Uh, she spent much of her time abroad on state visits, uh, at extravagant parties, and on shopping sprees. Why wouldn't you? Well, Haley, she also spent much of the state's money on her personal jewelry and shoe collections. Imelda, no, Imelda, that's not your money. Imelda, Imelda no, Imelda. Uh, had over a thousand pairs of shoes and Jesus. a direct quote from her says, I did not have 3,000 pairs of shoes, which well, well after things happened, uh, they thought that she had about 3,000 pairs of shoes. She says, I did not have 3,000 pairs of shoes. I had 1,060. So, good thing Imelda Oh, so knows. she has the exact number. Okay. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. She, is, uh, she has 1,060 pairs of shoes and she is keeping track of every single one of them. I enjoy that she thinks that uh, bringing 3,000 down to 1,060 is somehow better. Like, yep, it, it's not enough to make me think, no, okay, I guess you weren't spending the state's money extravagantly. Everyone needs 1,060 pairs of shoes. Yeah, yeah. As if she's trying to, you know, make it better. Yeah. Um, so during his presidential terms, uh, Ferdinand and Imelda pulled a lot of bullshit. 
lot of bullshit. Um, at first, it seems like they were going to do good things for the Philippines. Okay. Um, but in reality, they were just pulling scams to steal money. Oh, good. Some, some good old-fashioned corruption. Good old-fashioned corruption. Um, and after 21 years of pulling this bullshit, uh, in February 1986, the Marcos family fled from Hawaii, or fled to Hawaii, um, after the Filipino ousted Ferdinand Marcos from office. Okay, so they were they were tired of his bullshit, and they were like, "Hey, we know that you are a crazy dictator who is, uh, you know, ruining our shit and taking all of our money. Get the fuck out." Yep. Um, but I think fleeing to Hawaii feels like not a punishment. <laughs> it it I, it really doesn't. Um, I think that part of it is that uh, part of the reason why they ousted him was because um, he signed martial law into into effect. So. They were, he, he uh, enacted martial law in the Philippines for a good while, during which time um, Imelda, there was an assassination attempt on her, and she got oh. stabbed in her arms and hands. Oh, oh, that's intense. That's, those are actual, like, assassination attempts. Good lord. Haley, they were under martial law for nine years. Mm, nope. Too long. Too long. One day is too long. Nine years is too much. Nope. Nine years, and it was only. I five mean, she maybe deserved to get stabbed in her legs and arms. Just, just maybe a little, just, bit. just a little bit, you just know, a flesh wound. Um. So after nine years of that, uh, President Marcos he lifted martial law, and um, five years after that is when the Filipino people finally ousted him from office. So obviously, it like, took, hey, you remember that bullshit from a while remember ago? That martial law no. bullshit. Yeah, we're done. Um, we're done with that bullshit. So they fled to Hawaii, and basically uh, the government or the, uh, you know, the government in the Philippines or whomever um, raided the palace that they lived in and mm. found, they found that Imelda left behind um, 15 mink coats, 508 gowns, 888 handbags and over a thousand pairs of shoes. That's so many handbags. Does she is, is she one of those like 50 sort of people where you have to match your handbag to your shoes? Well, I I I just I mean here, I'll send you a picture of her uh from I mean I would assume that this is when she was in her prime. Um I don't know. I don't know if she, her I mean you would, it kind of seems like her handbags had to match. It kind of seems like that's the that's the whole thing. Is just like she's matching her outfits, which I can respect matching your outfits. But what I can't respect is uh, for sure spending that much money on. Uh, well, not even your money. It's the state's money. Not even your money. It's not even your money. Did you did you did oh, you get the this, picture? Oh, okay, okay. Oh, wow, she's really pretty. Ah, she was really pretty. Oh, oh God, what happened? <laughs> well, um, what happened to her looks, Katie? Haley, nothing good. Nothing good <laughs> happened to her looks. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the next picture in a moment. However, um, so they found all of this stuff in the palace they lived in. I think the part that really blows my mind is the 15 mink coats. Why do you need 15 mink coats? I mean, my next question is, 
it's the Philippines. It is a very hot and tropical nation. But she's wild Why, there wearing you... 15 mink coats. That just feels sweaty to me. It feels very sweaty. Uh, <laughs> so in addition to that, um, the U.S. government documented that the Marcos family entered the USA with millions of dollars in cash, stocks, jewelries, and gold bricks inscribed with the words, to my husband on our 24th anniversary. <laughs> that's a lot Just to a inscribe. Just a 24th anniversary brick of gold. Not only that, but that's a lot to inscribe on a brick of gold. I mean, bricks of gold are very large, but like... Yeah, so, oh, here's a casual 24th anniversary present. Here's a casual, a casual 24th anniversary brick of gold. Yeah, no, bricks, uh, multiple. One would oh, not, oh, one oh, would not and do... each one of them said that? Yes. Or did you, like, yes. did you have to, like, I want it to be one word each, and you just had to line <laughs> them up, and then it would make that... <laughs> Oh, I, I, I wish, I wish that that's what it was. I, I don't know. I mean, it could have been. It certainly could have been. Oh, I really, I love that they were prepared when they left and entered U.S. soil. Like she did leave behind all the shoes, all the mink coats, all of everything, but they had to bring <laughs> the twenty fourth anniversary bricks of gold. Yep. Oh, absolutely, they did. Um, so after, uh, three years in exile, um, Ferdinand Marcos eventually died in September 1989, and, um, Haley, his son, was the only member of the family present at his deathbed, and while that is quite sad, his son's name is Bong Bong. <laughs> oh, imagine dying and you only have Bong Bong to come Only Bong Bong. <laughs> only Bong Bong. Um, oh God, Bong Bong! What does Bong Bong do? I, I don't. I Bong Bong obviously is not embezzling a bunch of money in the Philippine government. I mean, he, I mean, he obviously was taking part if he was a part of the family. True. Well, maybe he wasn't the one embezzling it, but he was certainly uh, living the good life from it. Oh, I'm sure that he was. Anyways, um, on November fourth, nineteen ninety one. Imelda and her family were allowed to return to the Philippines after they had spent five years in Hawaii. And um, the literal next day, so the day after they returned to the Philippines, uh, she was arrested for tax fraud and corruption. Oh, they were just waiting. They, they were, were waiting, waiting to the day that they could get her. Absolutely, they were. Um, she was released on bail. I don't know how much the bail was. And... Um, but so two years later, she went to trial, and in the trial for that case, she was found guilty. And but um, I wonder why. Yeah, who who knows? <laughs> but the decision was actually overturned um, five years later. So oh. yeah, after that, she faced a twelve-year prison sentence and a four point three million dollar fine. That feels like. Some chump change in comparison to her $10 billion fortune that she embezzled. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, something that I found really interesting, though, is uh, in 2008, a Philippine court acquitted her in a 17-year-old case of 32 counts of illegal transfer of wealth totaling $863 million in Swiss bank accounts. 
Of course they were Swiss. They're always Swiss. You know, I thought the same thing. We really got to like, if we're going to run this podcast, we genuinely need to do some research as to why the fuck they're always Swiss banks. (laughs) Maybe because Swiss is Switzerland, right? Yes. And Switzerland is neutral. Maybe that's why. They don't, they just don't get involved. I don't know. That could be. Anyways, um, so actually just recently, uh, I believe in 2018, a Philippine court, so she faced a 12-year prison sentence and a $4.3 million fine, never actually went to prison. Um, I don't know that she uh, paid, or, or she, she ended up having to pay, um, I know, at least um, $280,000, but- That's nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. So I'm not sure how much she actually paid, but um, years later, um, like I said, 2018, 2019, a Philippine court sentenced her um, to a minimum of 42 years in prison uh, for creating private foundations to hide her she's unexplained 89. wealth. She's, she's 89 years old. Yeah. She's, she's not going to last that long. No, she is not. Unless her vast wealth has found her the fountain of youth. I don't know. (laughs) So the court ended up, they found her guilty of seven counts of graft, which with each count uh, punishable by a minimum of six years in prison. So they found her guilty at very least, but she said in an interview that she doesn't expect to see any of that jail time, which doesn't surprise me at all. Because um, because she's eighty nine. Because she's eighty nine, and because she's still got money. I mean, let me send you a picture of her now. While she is a little bit of a scary woman, um, Does she obviously, look like a witch? obviously she's doing fine. She still has the same hairstyle. <laughs> she does. She does. <laughs> she's got. She's a big fan of just swooping that back. She's got the poof in front, and she then does. look at that <laughs> ring on her this... finger. Look at that rock. Oh, holy shit! Okay, so this is this, the picture that I'm looking at. It's um, Imelda Marcos. I will say her skin is not very wrinkly for being 89 years old, but she did significantly puff up. Um, um I you know not to be. A racist asshole, but I think that's an Asian thing. They age really well. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They got great skin. They got great skin. Anyways. They got great skin. But anyways, yeah, no, she's she's like pointing at somebody. She's doing the whole Karen pointing thing. Like, can I speak to your manager? But she's on this rock on her middle finger is just this massive honky diamond that is the size of her knuckle. Oh, absolutely. Imelda, have you learned nothing? She absolutely has learned nothing. Like, you gotta tone that shit down if you're at least trying to convince people that you are not the person who embezzled $10 billion. Yeah. Here, here's another uh, recent picture of her. Same hairstyle, (laughs) which I didn't even notice before, honestly. Same hairstyle. Okay, so she's had the same hairstylist since the 60s? Oh, it had to have been before that. I mean, 
It, she's I'm, she's I had mean, the same hairstylist. Send. If you find a look that works for you, I mean, I guess this one on you. I guess I guess this one, you know, works for her. She just parent. lays on the jewelry. Oh my god, she's just like, let me just bangles. So many bangles, all the bangles and the just- brooches. Are bangles and brooches the same thing? Nah, bangles are like the big dangly bracelets, and then oh uh, yeah, brooches. Brooches are the things that you pin to your yeah. Bangles uh, and brooches. That's that's her thing. Bangles and brooches. That's a pretty good episode. That, I was just thinking the same thing. Bangles and brooches. Um, I'm going to be honest. I've, I have been writing down several things that I'm going to put in a poll. <laughs> oh, good, good. Um, so she did all, she pulled all this bullshit during her life. And now she's not going to see, I guarantee you, she won't see the prison time. So uh, she hasn't gone to prison at all during any of this, even though she was sentenced to like 12 years or whatever. Nope. Back in... Oh nope, sure hasn't. Sure hasn't. Um, hey, why didn't why didn't we follow up on that, Philippines? Yeah, what are we doing? Um, I mean, the ruling of her uh, being found guilty of seven counts of graft automatically disqualifies her. Who is she? Actually, um, went back into politics. She is a congresswoman, so it disqualifies her from holding any public office. So I guess that's how did she get elected? I I don't know. I just How did she get elected? If she if she was literally kicked out of, she was run out of her country Mm -hmm. and she came back and everyone was like, Uh, you know what, you'd probably be a pretty good congresswoman. Come back in. Yeah, you know, I mean I I looked into it. I don't think that's how that works. I also don't think that's how it works, but uh, somehow she... But now at 89 years old, she can't... She Because she was uh, put on trial for things and convicted of them, okay, here, now she here can't you go. be congresswoman. Here you go. Um, in 1992, Imelda ran for president in the presidential elections, finishing fifth out of seven candidates. So she got back from exile, and she was immediately like, boom, going back into politics. She wasn't even last. No. Did the people of the Philippines learn nothing? They were like, hey, we, we specifically overthrew you. And raided your house and yeah. found your thousands of shoes. Um, and then uh, she ran for the second district of, I don't know how to pronounce that, uh, in the elections, blah, 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 to replace her son, Ferdinand Jr. Ah. Is Ferdinand Jr. bong bong? Um, I believe so, yes. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, I believe bong, so, bong. Um. I'm pretty sure Ferdinand Jr. Because there's no way Bong Bong's his real name. It's not. Bong Bong is definitely a nickname. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> I, I don't know, but she she made it back into, into politics and tried to start her own uh, clothing line, like fashion label, called the Imelda of Collection. Of course she did. That oh did not God, go of well. Of course she did. Um, so she tried to do that, but then she was like, ah, politics. Uh, you know what I like? I like politics. I'm good at them. So, uh, now, some interesting facts about her, which I really enjoyed this. Um, on one occasion, Imelda spent $2,000 on chewing gum at the San Francisco International Airport. Haley, how do you spend $2,000 on gum? It's like a dollar fifty for a pack. Do you think that she bought all of the gum in the airport? 
I think she bought all of the gum in the airport. I think she legitimately was like, go check your back room. You see these 40 boxes of gum that's supposed to last you for the next year? I need all of them. I don't want anyone else to have gum. Do you think maybe it was a power play? Maybe it was a power play like, I own all of the gum and you own none of the gum. (laughs) I think maybe she was hearing some whiny, whiny kid being like, mom, mom, I want gum. And she just got tired of it and she lost her shit and was like, you know what? No, I'm buying all the gum. The gum is mine. (laughs) Smacks the child, pushes it down. No. Um, On another occasion, she forced a plane to do a U-turn midair just because she forgot to buy cheese in Rome. Oh my god. <laughs> like, can you imagine sitting in the middle of that flight? All of a sudden the lady stands up. Fuck, I forgot to buy cheese in Rome. There was a very specific cheese that I wanted for my pasta. That she cannot have sent to her. No, she needs to buy it personally. Oh yeah, the shipping is a thing. Shipping is for sure a thing, unless she like needed to pick it out herself, like she was going to the cheesemakers and was like, well, I'm going to be buying 60 wheels of Primo Parmigiano Reggiano, and <laughs> I, don't I need know. to look at every single wheel and inspect it myself. I mean, maybe it's like picking out a watermelon or a cantaloupe or something, you know, you have to pick it up, cradle it, you gotta knock shake on it. it. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know. I've never what's happening you. on the inside. Neither have I. Um, so, and then my personal absolute favorite fact about her, um, so she holds, um, she holds an interesting Guinness World Record, Haley. Um, oh, oh no, oh no. She, she, along with her husband, um, are famous for holding the Guinness World Record for the greatest robbery of a government. That's a record? That is a record. Who the fuck was the runner-up for that one? I don't know. Guinness, I feel like you're just grabbing at straws. Um, I mean, you know, it, I, I just, I don't know. I just don't know, you know? I don't know when it was decided, oh, yes, let's make this a world record. <laughs> you know what? Pretty impressive. Pretty world impressive. World record. Did Good they have job. a ceremony? Um, they do now, but I think that back then, probably not. Back then, they just oh stuck God. it in a book? They, what? they, no, did they receive the record in December 2016? I'm sorry, so there was a ceremony? There must have been a ceremony! Imelda Marcos and her hairdo showed up to the book. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I I don't know. I don't I, that I cannot back up with legitimate information. I wish there were photos. Oh man, me too. Let's see. I just I just want to know what her reaction was to it. Uh no, there's no photos. So wait, let's see here. Oh, oh, that's so sad. My heart. I know. I know, right? So they must not have received it, or she must not have received it in 2016. Holy shit. I can just imagine her turning around a flight being like, I won an award. We have to go back. (laughs) I won an award. We're going back. Um, 
So anyways, uh, I was going to send you a picture of her shoe collection, which is now a museum, just so you oh know. Oh my god. Oh my god, a museum where? In the Philippines? It's, um, it's part of a museum. Um, I would have to look up exactly which one, but it's definitely, there's definitely a wing of this museum dedicated to her shoe collection. Oh my good god, this photo is, it, firstly, this photo looks like it was taken in an old Tudor house. Right? Um, like, what kind of museum is this? What kind of a museum is this? But like, in these massive shelves, just lining the walls, is behind glass, are just these shoes on display. And they're just, they're just shoes. They're just heels. They're all heels. Some of, of them are flats. So I've got another picture here. Uh, some of them are flats. Oh, they're flats. all organized by color. Did you notice that? So, like, this is the red case. This is the beige case. This is the green case. I we, mean... Oh. Oh, my. Look at how many of those shoes look, like, identical to the pair next to them. They legitimately do. Like, you could definitely just sort of put on one pair of shoes and nobody would have missed... I love that there's a there's also a photo on display, like a painting of her, and she's just smiling so coyly, and she still has that fucking hairdo. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, that was loud, but uh, yes, you are absolutely correct. Um, she was quoted saying, uh, they went looking into my closets for skeletons, but thank God all they found were shoes. Beautiful shoes. <gasps> Oh, she could have ended at, but thank God they only found shoes. But then she had she to follow it up add. with beautiful shoes. Be you know that, I mean, she was just reminiscing about those shoes. Shoes, beautiful <laughs> shoes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's see. I think I have one more picture for you. So actually in... Uh, February of 2016, the Philippine government approved the auction of all of her jewelry co collection, uh, which was worth uh, approximately $21 million in total. Damn. So they were just sitting on that? I, I mean, was I said evidence. It, I mean, it must have been to some point because they had to receive uh, like permission to do it. But that's just part of her jewelry collection. That is a lot of brooches. Oh it's, my god, that's a lot of brooches. Everything is so gaudy looking. I was just about to say, it's gaudy as fuck. It's chunky old lady jewelry. It is. Like, why would you buy chunky old lady jewelry? Just to say that you have it because it was owned by the first lady of the dictator of the Philippines for 21 years? I, I don't know. I just don't know. I also don't know, but I mean, the good news is that jewelry is definitely rewearable. Shoes, on the other hand, <laughs> I feel a little bit weird were I to buy a pair of shoes and be like, hmm, these were probably only worn once by Melda Marcos, but I still don't like my feet being where her feet were. Yeah, and you know, um, her shoe collection is actually totally worthless now. Oh, oh, why? Because it's in a museum and those shoes look old and gross as fuck. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. So I thought you were going to say like the museum gave them up, like burned them all or something like that. Ah, no, but no, that is their prize display. That's what people come to that museum to see. <laughs> Seriously. Just I mean. staring at the shoes that are organized by color. There's so many black shoes. Right. Right. I just, I, 
I saw that picture and, you know, I think to myself, I mean, so many of those shoes look so similar. Why? Like, you're not improving your outfit in any way by having this pair of black pumps versus that pair of black pumps. Yeah, right? I just don't understand. I mean, I think I own, like, three pairs of shoes to my name. I got work shoes. I got going out, like, vans. And then I have flip-flops. The nice vans for going out. My going out vans. Yeah, you know. Anyways, (laughs) so she was a really fascinating um, person to research. I think that my favorite thing about her and her husband is their Guinness World Record that they own or that they have. Um, no, they own it. They, yeah, they the, own that. That they own. Yeah, sure. Um, and I'm just, I hope that nobody ever breaks it. But good God, if somebody does, I will live for that day. You do know that that means that a country will have been in turmoil for a long time. I said, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope nobody else breaks it. But if they happen to, I want to attend the ceremony. <laughs> Oh, that's fair. I would also like to attend the ceremony. Exactly. I'm not saying I want somebody to do the same thing she did. No, she wasn't really a good person. I'm just so impressed with the fact that she outlived her husband by so long and went back into politics. Yep. She's cuckoo bananas. She's a cuckoo bananas with a crazy haircut. Yes. Yes, she is. Oh, my. Her haircut isn't even crazy. It's not even crazy. It's just no. It's not even crazy. It's just she's just been wearing it for uh, like sixty years. Sixty years. Yep. 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 I mean, it actually looks quite nice on her. If I'm being perfectly honest, but like, wow, that's a long time to have the same haircut. Goodness gracious. Oh man. Okay. Enough about Amel Demarcos. Do you want to hear about my topic? I do so much. I do. Okay. So I'm going to preface this by saying that mine is a topic, it was a thing that was done by people. Uh, I have no numbers of like monetary value that is associated with this thing, That's okay. but it was certainly something that was only done by rich people. Perfect. So, yes. We can make illegitimate guesses. At, we can um, make so many amounts. guesses. Yes, I, I totally think that we can. Because I couldn't find jack shit about how much a person would pay for one of these things. I'm feeling okay. confident in my illegitimate guessing skills. Oh, as am I. I think that you're going to be great at this. Let's, okay. let's hear it. Okay, so let's talk about what happened to a wealthy man, um, a royal one, let's say, who went ahead and died around 3,000 years ago in Egypt. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's talk about him. Let's talk about him. He dies. He gets swept away to be embalmed. He sure. has his vital organs taken out. As is jars. tradition. As is tradition. Uh, he's covered in perfumes and oils and then like 20 layers of linen. Because bodies and are stanky. Because bodies are stanky and we want you to smell nice when you go to the afterlife. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> He is then put into a sarcophagus with a death, ma- a death mask on and what is it- then put into a tomb. Okay. Death mask like? A death mask is a mask that is literally like painted to look like your face, but it is usually done in like very vibrant colors and like 
Um, it, it's so people can identify you in the but without having to look at oh okay okay without having to look at your because because your face is wrapped your dead guy face sure your dead guy face it's all wrapped um the sarcophagus and the tomb are inscribed with magic spells from the egyptian book of the dead (laughs) uh, (laughs) to help the dead dude ascend through the afterlife hopefully attain some sort of immortality next to the god of the afterlife osiris Mm -hmm. and then the tomb if you were wealthy and not just some normal Joshmo, was liable to have an above ground decorated tomb chapel where you and your family member or where your family members and the priests and stuff could come and visit you, say prayers on your dead behalf. But they didn't have to actually go into the chamber where your dead ass was actually. <laughs> where your um, dead ass is located. Sure. Where your dead your dead ass is located elsewhere. So anyways. They filled their tombs with lots of beautiful things that they enjoyed in life, from jewelry to furniture. And I'm probably going to have to dedicate a whole episode to the burial practices of the ancient of the ancient Egyptians because it is fascinating and obnoxious. And I'm always here for that. This I, is not that episode. That was just an intro. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just little little side thought here. Why are they putting furniture in there? Because you have to bring your wealth along with you, and if you have a nicely carved mahogany piece, you're gonna take that with you so you can lounge in the afterlife. Oh my uh, god. Okay. Continue. Continue. Yeah, so anyways, I probably will do a whole episode on ancient Egyptian. I wanna do it. I wanna research it. This sounds crazy. You wanna do it? Okay, I, you can yeah. do it. I'll I'll give that one to you. Yes. But anyways, that was just that was just a, a normal introduction to what we're actually talking about, which is fast forward to the Napoleonic Wars of the late 1700s to the early 1800s. Okay. We've just jumped forward a couple thousand years. It's fine. Yeah. Um, the French invaded Egypt and found out that, holy shit, this place is just filled with fun little goodies <laughs> ripe for the taking. It's filled with stuff. It's filled with stuff. Oh, we love stuff. Who doesn't love Europe stuff? Was- <laughs> it's just it's great stuff this stuff isn't like any of our stuff back home we have got to take some of this stuff back home and so europe was absolutely in love with all of this stuff that was being taken back from egypt and then in the mid 1800s a bunch of rich and bored british dudes said i just need me a piece of this action so cue victorian egyptomania um They were not satisfied with taking furniture and statues and shit out of the tombs. The Uh Victorians had what we will call a fascination with the macabre. Uh They needed to know more about the mummies. Of course they did. Yeah. This is going to go to a place that is so unfortunate. Continue. (laughs) It's going to go to a very unfortunate place. Let's get there. Egypt not only became the hotspot for very wealthy Victorian travelers who wished to call themselves explorers, Egypt also smelled a business opportunity. Uh, Egypt had the business opportunity, one of the kind of sort of business opportunities that will decimate their ancient history trying to meet the demand of the rich British. Because the rich British are willing to pay whatever the fuck they can to bring home shit. Uh, They turned very touristy, and mummies were now the souvenir to have. What? They turned touristy and wanted mummies as souvenirs? Yeah, so basically the wealthy British fucks 
did not want knickknacks. Well, they did want knickknacks, but what they really wanted uh, was a whole goddamn mummy to bring home. Uh, as So I'm about to read you a quote. Please. Quote. As the 19th century advanced, mummies became prized objects of display, and scores of them were purchased by wealthy European and American private collectors as tourist souvenirs. For those who could not afford a whole mummy, <laughs> disarticulated remains such as a head, a hand, or a foot could be purchased on the black market and smuggled back home. Oh, well, naturally. Can't afford the whole body? That's fine. We'll just give you the head. We'll just, we're just gonna give you a piece of this. So I'm actually gonna go ahead and send you a photo really quickly of just exactly what, like, people could just go, people could just, oh no, it's not copying and pasting. People could basically just go to any old town, and this would be a town that maybe didn't even have any sort of uh like tombs or anything near it but you could still purchase mummy parts or bodies or like replicas and shit yeah because they became uh really famous for like basically because the demand was there people would they the egyptians would ship mummies from one end of the country to the other willingly yeah (gasps) oh my god I just don't yeah, understand. It, I just don't understand the the draw of like, oh well, they found dead guys and stuff there. We want dead guys. We want dead guys too. <laughs> but you have dead guys. I want dead guys. Yeah, dead guys. Please? Oh my gosh. I'm sen- so I'm sending you a photo. We're gonna find out if it actually decides to go through. You let me know the second that it does. I got but- it. I got it. Um, okay, so let me explain what the fuck am I can't I don't even know if I can explain what I'm looking at here. Um it, well, there's three people in this picture. One is a guy <laughs> who's squatting down who looks like he is over this shit. He looks bored. He looks bored as fuck. The middle person um looks like it looks like a cast like a body you know bold situation and then the thing to the right is very obviously a mummy that has been unwrapped and like put on display like he's just very they're all leaning up against walls what on is display. this uh those would be mummies for sale <laughs> uh, would you like to buy a mummy i don't want to buy a mummy, not even a little bit. You wouldn't even last a second in Victorian England because everyone who was rich was like, I fucking love Egypt. Can I have a mummy? Oh my God. Uh, why is the third individual, why have they been unwrapped and taken out? I don't like that at all. I'm guessing either they weren't wrapped to begin with or... Um, he was on display to show kind of what you're getting when he's in really good condition. Like he's been preserved really well. That's what mummification does. They, they pretty much, they, he has been preserved very well. I mean, he's leathery. That's for sure. But oh my God. Yeah. Oh, get some sunscreen on him. Oh, something. Oh my (laughs) God. Do you want to hear another quote? Oh, please. Okay. So French aristocrat. Aristocrat, that's not how that word is said. <laughs> Aristocrat and Trappist monk 
Abbot Ferdinand de Garam. What's with the name eight- Ferdinand today? I don't know. Uh, but anyways, he wrote in 1833, quote, It would be hardly respectable on one's return from Egypt to present oneself without a mummy in one hand and a crocodile in the other. <laughs> what? What? Hardly Basically, respectable. if you're making this trek, you if might you're making as well this trek, get a crocodile while you're there. I mean, you can't get them in just jolly old England or France. Yeah, I mean, this is like, this is, you know, at some point, people who were going on these trips had to say to had to say to each other, "I mean, well, as long as we're here, we might as well get crocodiles in addition to mummies." And everybody else went, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea." <laughs> oh yeah, sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Yeah. So, anyways, basically, Egyptomania uh, became very popular through the help of a British surgeon who was named Thomas Pettigrew. And um, they became popular because Thomas Pettigrew started Uh, the fad of mummy unwrapping parties. Oh, my God. Usually, uh, these things were spectacles that were held in front of crowds, but some Victorians would do this in the privacy of their own homes. Haley, I Uh, hate to admit it, but I think that there is part of me that would want to see a mummy unwrapped like right there's just like this is a a once in a lifetime opportunity i want to fucking see (laughs) yeah i you know i don't think i would go to it twice but i i I think i might i would go to it once if Mm. you got an invitation you would highly consider going oh absolutely i mean that's something that you think about for a long time yeah and in victorian england that wasn't something you thought about going to. It was, holy shit, I'm going to this. Oh, my so, God. Because basically, someone would obtain a mummy. They would <laughs> send out an invitation. For example, Lord Lonsborough at home. A mummy from Thebes to be unrolled at half past two. And they'd send that to their wealthy friends. Eat a lavish meal. Drink a bunch. They'd all get fucking schnockered. And then um, the time by the time would come that they would all pile into the drawing room where a wrapped mummy was laying out on either a coffee table or just a normal table or whatever. Like he was just out there on display Uh huh. on the dining room table. Ew. <laughs> and, um, and you would unwrap them. So, <laughs> but what? I have a, f- I have a photo for you to kind of show what this looked like. Oh, please. And it's a drawing from that day. Oh. Where it's just sort of people all standing my around. God. So the, what I'm seeing here is um, a bunch of well-dressed men who all have mustaches uh, standing around a hastily made table, wooden stand. Uh, and one lady, there is one woman, that's me. Uh, standing around this table with um, a wrapped up mummy on it with savagely the sarcophagus in the background because <laughs> they have that the as sarcophagus. well. And um, they're starting to unwrap it and they're all looking at it like, ooh, what's it going to be? What's going to be on the inside? Let me tell you guys what's going to be on the inside. That's going to be a dead guy. You're going to see a gonna, dead guy. It's going to be a leathery dead guy. What? I... I so much so, of me doesn't understand this 
fascination and this draw towards it. But there's another very small part of me that's like, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm into this? Why am I into this? And one guy, is that a cane or a sword? Like, just in case it comes back to life? It does kind of look like he's holding a sword, as though just like, oh, oh my, uh, just... Just, just in, in case, case it's just in case. It's just, in just case. some old Egyptian death magic. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's part of what concerned me from the beginning is they inscribe these runes and stuff on the sarcophagus. Do you know anything about the Egyptian Book of the Dead? I don't. So basically, it's a guidebook on how you navigate your way through uh, the afterlife uh, and and make your way basically through all of the trials that you have to go through and then end up becoming immortal as as your your immortal soul. Because uh, and you have to be properly prepared for this. Otherwise, uh, you're, you're fucked. Your, your soul gets eaten. Oh, and yeah, um, no more immortality for you. So everybody so reads that book. Everybody reads that book. <laughs> but yeah, basically, like, Egyptian pharaohs and kings and royalty would have their tombs inscribed with this crap. Uh, it's not crap, it's history. Um, they would have it inscribed, all certain spells or certain whatever, to kind of help protect them. But, Obviously, yeah. it's... Um- it didn't it's, work because it you're, might be protecting them, you know, in their afterlife plane or whatever. You know, it might be protecting them there oh, for sure. But, but your dead body just got sold to Lords Lonsborough over there. Yeah. And they're unwrapping you. They are at unwrapping you at two p.m. Who unwraps somebody at two in the afternoon? Because you want to have a light lunch first, and this doesn't feel like dinner party talk. Please join us for brunch and a mummy unwrapping. <laughs> oh oh no i have more oh please tell me more so uh you know how earlier i said most of the time these were uh spectacles held in front of crowds yeah yeah so there would be public events um which you had to buy tickets for so thomas Pettigrew was for sure making a buttload of money off of this um there was one public event that was held by Thomas Pettigrew that attracted 3,000 people. Holy 3, shit. 3,000 people were paying this dude for a mummy to be unwrapped in front who, of them. Who was being unwrapped? Was it someone important? Probably not. Oh my I mean, god. And I get the feeling that you'll probably discover this if you are going to cover uh, Egypt's uh, like burial practices and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The British hella fucked up so much of the tombs that were available in, oh, yeah. in Egypt. They it, just It certainly sounds that way. I mean they, they just they, went romping through and they took whatever they wanted and they it was before archaeologists were like, no no, we leave this here. Yeah. But we just take pictures and we, we appreciate and we take our notes oh. and then we leave. Oh my god. No, at this time, they were like, I want that couch, I want that table, I want those jewels, and I want the body! (laughs) You better give me the body! Oh my god. I don't want to have to go to the market and have to buy some second-rate body. I want this body! (laughs) So, in 1852... 
Pettigrew uh, gave back to the field that he has so gleefully appropriated uh, by embalming the body of the 10th Duke of Hamilton in strict recreation of ancient Egyptian methods. Also, well, how nice of him to do that. Basically, the Duke of Hamilton liked Egyptomania so, like, he was so a part of it that he was like, I want to be embalmed and prepared like a mummy do this shit and so peter or not peter pettigrew that's a (laughs) i'm sorry that's a harry potter character (laughs) thomas pettigrew was like shit dude i've read up on all of this i I can can do do it i know how to do this i've read books (laughs) yep that's like like, i've certainly unwrapped enough of them (laughs) um yes that's like my mom says she thinks she could do an appendectomy because she's watched so much gray's anatomy <laughs> that's like those two. That's, that's like not how that works. That's not things. how that works, mom. No. <laughs> don't get me wrong. So, I love my mom, but I don't think she could do an appendectomy. I don't trust her. I wouldn't go under the knife with her as my oh doctor. God. Oh man. Okay. So, anyways, Thomas Pettigrew. Yeah. So, anyways, um, the Duke was mummified, and his mummified remains were placed in an ancient Egyptian sarcophagus that he had purchased 30 years earlier oh, and uh. chiseled out to fit his frame. Um, oh, and, and it didn't end there because his grace was entombed in a vast Roman-style mausoleum on the grounds of his Scottish estate and was described as the Times by, quote, the most costly and magnificent temple for the reception of the dead in the world, always accepting the pyramids, end quote. Oh my gosh. So except for the pyramids, uh, the 10th Duke of Hamilton has the best tomb. Do you have a picture of his tomb? I don't. Hold on. Let me, let me oh, see if I can. Because I would uh, love to see that. I mean, I think it. I think it's um, absolutely savage that he had himself put in somebody else's sarcophagus. Um, that yeah, I don't know if it was somebody up. else's. I don't yeah, know I'm, if it was somebody else's or if it was. Um, holy shit! It looks like a big penis. It does. <laughs> I found a photo. It looks like a really big penis. Oh. It- does oh that's unfortunate that doesn't compare to the pyramids not even a little bit no it does not but i did just find a picture of a sarcophagus i found a picture of a sarcophagus (gasps) send it oh my god yep oh it's engraved oh my gosh alexander hamilton brandon the second i don't know what et or is it Brandon E? <laughs> Cast. What? I don't understand the engraving, but um, it doesn't look like the sarcophagus is a real one. It looks, it uh, it looks like shit. It looks like it a really poorly made uh, sarcophagus replica that somebody, somebody bamboozled this man. Yeah, that somebody was like. Oh, this is a real sarcophagus. You need to buy this. You're going to want to use this someday. And this guy said, that is a great idea. You're a great salesman. I want it. (laughs) You are absolutely correct, sir. I love Egypt so much. Oh, his ugly little sarcophagus is in the dick-shaped tomb. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That, oh, wow. 
this guy, man. I, I know. It's so extra. It is so extra. It's so extra, but also the amount of disrespect is just insane. The disrespect for who? Because I feel like the Egyptians were disrespected, and yes. I also feel like the Duke of Hamilton was disrespected. I mean, definitely the Egyptians is where my mind first goes. Uh, I... Oh, wow. I mean, I don't know how... I, I. It's hard for me to feel bad for this guy sitting in this shitty sarcophagus, because it's like, he did a lot of really unfortunate things during his life. He kind of deserves to be in a shitter sarcophagus in the dick building. <laughs> now, we don't know if he did a bunch of shitty things in his life. He unwrapped mummies, Haley. You're not supposed to desecrate tombs like that. I mean, that's fair. But are you thinking of Pettigrew, who is the one who, like, started this whole shebang? Or just the fact that Hamil the Duke of Hamilton, like, signed up to be embalmed? I mean, I don't, do you have, was the Duke of Hamilton also unwrapping people? Was he attending I mean, the unwrapping parties? I mean, he most likely was. So, you're really so not shitty. faultless so there. Shitty. He's not no. faultless. Yeah. Nope, not great. It so makes I have me feel a little bit better that his tomb is a dick building. <laughs> Just a big old dick building. Oh, in Scotland. As far Doctor. from the pyramids as you can get. Um, yeah. Anyways, so you said one, you have one, one last. I have one last little tidbit for you. It's not about mummy unwrapping, but it is a gross thing the Victorians did that I thought would uh, just wrap this up real good. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, th in in these times, uh, you know how it was. Medicine wasn't great, mm, and there were yes. a lot of. <laughs> There were a lot of things where it was like, oh, if you just mix this and this together, I'm sure that's going to carry your hemorrhoids right up. Yes. Um, so there was there was a recipe that called for mummy bits to be mixed in with molasses and then fed to people as cures for their ailments. So oh, there's that. No. Mummy so there bits. was. Yeah, there was. There was definitely uh, a demand for mummies outside of the unwrapping. It was for, quote-unquote, medicine. <laughs> oh, my God. That, uh, that's horrible. It's awful. Can you imagine, like, first of all, being the doctor, being like, yeah, take some molasses, get some mummy bits, mix it up, drink it, boom. All your ailments cured. And then but being, can you, yeah, oh, continue, continue. Say, can you imagine just being excited to take molasses and be like, why does my molasses taste dusty? No, I cannot. <laughs> also, I mean, just, I thought the black market was bad now, but clearly it's been bad for a long time. Oh, it's been bad forever. Wow. That 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 was that was a good one, Haley. That was a hell of a topic. Thank you. I was I, very excited about this one. <laughs> I was going to um try and make guesses as to before I knew what your topic was, I was going to try and make guesses, you know, money-wise, but I I could not guess how much um a mummy would go for. I really can't. I right? Like I have no I wish I knew how much these guys were paying for mummies. I have but, no fucking clue. 
it's very obvious that only like the lavishly wealthy of the time were doing this. Yeah, like ain't ain't nobody who's and no no normal worker guy is gonna be like, you know what? Expedition to Egypt, we're on our way. Gonna get me a mummy. I've only got I only make twelve cents in a year, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially based on the picture you sent me uh, with everyone around the mummy on the table, they're all dressed quite fancy, and nobody has mustaches like those unless you're incredibly wealthy. Unless you've got access to the most extreme mustache wax. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Just wow. Just wow. All right. Well, that's our show, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Um, if you want to go, if you liked what you heard today, uh, why don't you go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcatcher app you use to listen to stuff. Uh, it sure would help us out. It helps people find us. Uh, you can also see all of the photos that we talked about today on our Instagram, which is at Outrageously Unnecessary. Also, and share be- our shit. Share you know? our shit. Please Please share our, our shit. shit. We're, I share mean, we're, we try to be funny. We're not that funny. But share our shit. I think we're funny. We're okay. We're all right. We're, <laughs> we're all right. We're fine. I mean, we wouldn't sell out a crowd if we had our own comedy special, but I mean, we're pretty okay. We're pretty all right. But yeah, but, we uh, always appreciate you giving us a listen, sticking with us through to the end. And also, word of mouth usually is how most people discover their podcasts. So if you like what we're doing, shit, man, tell your tell friends. People. Tell your tell friends. Tell your friends. Tell, tell your, your friends. friends. Tell your friends. But in any case, you can also follow us on Twitter, where I make... Um, where I make polls voting on what we believe the uh, title of the next episode should be. I will announce uh, usually when the episodes are because we are so inconsistent. Um, and then a lot of the times I will be posting all of the photos and information from our episodes on Twitter as well. So you can follow us at oh Unnecessary Pod on Twitter. Anyways, thanks again for giving us a listen, everybody. We appreciate you. Yeah, and we'll see you next time on Outrageously Unnecessary. Ooh, bye.